This information is designed to provide accurate and authoritative information with regard to the subject matter covered. It is offered with the understanding that the presenters are not engaged in rendering legal, accounting, or other professional services. If legal advice or other expert advice is required, the services of a competent professional should be sought. Welcome to the Real Estate Financial Planner Podcast. I am your host, James Orr. This is episode 11. Today, we're going to continue with Norm and Norma's story. In the last three episodes, Norm and Norma were renters themselves, but focused on buying 10 rental properties. In episode eight, they bought 20% down payment rentals. In episode nine, they saved up and bought 25% down payment rentals. And in episode 10, they tried to speed up the process by buying 15% down payment rentals. As renters, they were saving about $1,000 per month from their combined income of $72,000 per year. But as we discussed in detail in Episode 7, when Norman Norma bought an owner-occupant property and then invested in the stock market, when they purchased a home to live in instead of renting, the amount that they were saving each month was significantly decreased. They went from saving about $1,000 per month as a renter to saving about $420 per month as a homeowner. Now, there was some nuance to this that we discussed in Episode 7, and I won't cover that again here. But if you have not listened to Episode 7, I'd strongly encourage it. In this episode, we will discuss three scenarios for Norman Norma. In each of the three, they will be buying an owner-occupant property to live in and then saving up to buy rental properties. But the difference between the three will be the down payments for the rentals. 15% down payments, 20% down payments, and 25% down payments. So, Norm and Norma decide to become a homeowner and buy their owner-occupant property first with a 5% down payment, owner-occupant loan, then start saving for rentals. How long does it take for them to achieve financial independence with that strategy versus when they remain a renter and buy 10 rental properties. Well, I'll jump right to the punchline. Whether they put 15% down, 20% down, or 25% down, if they buy an owner-occupant property first, they all achieve financial independence at the same time, just under 33 years in month 394. Why? It's for the same reason that we previously discussed in episode 7. When you pay off your owner-occupant property, it reduces how much you need to be considered financially independent. And in all three scenarios, they pay off their owner-occupant property in the same month, month 393. The very next month, they're considered financially independent. So how does that compare to them renting? In all three cases, it takes them longer to achieve financial independence to buy a home to live in. With 15% down and 20% down, it is two years faster to be a renter than an owner-occupant. With 25% down, it is four years faster to be a renter. Let's walk through the differences between the scenarios, but be sure to check out the show notes to see charts for what I'm discussing here to get more details. Okay, in general, buying an owner-occupant property means they delay when they can start buying rental properties. They start buying rental properties later. This means that they end up paying off rental properties later and don't quite get to the boost in cash flow you get when you no longer have a mortgage until much later. I'll talk about cash flow in a moment. But buying rental properties later also means that they end up paying a little bit more for their rental properties, which means they end up having slightly higher mortgage balances and because they bought them later, higher mortgage balances later in the modeling. One interesting thing to mention is that we modeled it with them buying an owner-occupant property and 10 rental properties. 11 properties total. Previously, when they were renters, they only bought the 10 rentals, so they only owned 10 properties total. 
How does buying an owner-occupant property early impact their net worth? You might be wondering if purchasing a property quickly with 5% down means their net worth would be a little bit higher. You might be thinking the returns from owning a property to live in from appreciation and paying down on the mortgage would be better than the return they would otherwise earn on the stock market. It seems like a reasonable hypothesis, since that's sort of what happened when we bought rentals with 15% down payments in the last episode. But unfortunately, it doesn't quite work out that way. In fact, buying the rental properties and remaining a renter results in a higher overall net worth after 60 years. Putting 15% down would mean a $4 million higher net worth if they remained a renter. $62.5 million versus $58.4 million. Putting 20% down would be almost $4.8 million higher net worth. $60.64 million versus $55.85 million. And putting 25% down would be about $800,000 higher net worth, $58.6 million versus $57.79 million. Now, these are all 60 years from now in inflated future dollars. The differences are much less significant if we adjust back to today's dollars. For example, about $700,000 difference in net worth for 15% down about $800,000 difference for 20% down, and about $140,000 difference for 25% down. And the net worth values are all in that $9.5 million to $10.6 million range in today's dollars. Net worth includes account balances and equity in properties. But what if we wanted to just look at account balances? Norm and Norma would have more liquid net worth in the form of money in their accounts if they don't buy an owner-occupant property. And we're talking significant differences in the millions of dollars in future inflated dollars. And that's true even for 25% down payments. If we adjust back to today's dollars, the difference is still over a million dollars for 15% and 20% down payments, although it's not a million dollar difference in their account balance for the 25% down payment comparison. Okay, let's move on to discussing risk. Is it riskier for Norm and Norma to buy an owner-occupant property or for them to continue being renters? Well, there's easily quantifiable risk measures like rent resiliency, debt to income, months of reserves, debt to net worth, and debt to account balances. But then there's some other risks that are harder to measure. For example, by buying a property to live in, they eliminate the risk of having the rent they are paying to their landlord go up. Sure, they take on new, different risks of homeownership instead, like the risk of repairs required on their property, increasing taxes, and property insurance. For now, let's discuss some of the more easily measured forms of risk, and let's start with rent resiliency. In general, there are two forces impacting rent resiliency. First, the more you put down, the more resilient you are to drops in rent before you have negative cash flow. So when Norma Norma put 25% down, they are more resilient than when they put 15% down. Second, the sooner you acquire properties and have rentals you own with rents going up while mortgage expenses are fixed, the more resilient you are to rents dropping. So buying rental properties sooner is also better. For example, if we take a snapshot in time at, let's say, year 20, we might see the following. The rent resiliency as a percentage, that means the percent that rents can drop on all rental properties before Norm and Norma experience negative cash flow, might be about 11% if they remain a renter and buy properties with 15% down payments, compared to just under 3% if they buy an owner-occupant property. 
about 14% if they rent and put 20% down compared to about 12% as a homeowner or about 21% as a renter putting 25% down compared to 15.5% as a homeowner. So while it is better for them to buy rentals earlier as a renter, putting 25% down, even if they buy an owner-occupant property to live in, is better than everything else except when they rent and also put the same 25% down. That means, in general, it's more risky with this very specific measure of risk, rent resiliency, for them to buy an owner-occupant property. But rent resiliency is just one measure of risk. Another measure of risk is their total debt to income. This measure of risk is the one most often used by lenders to qualify them for mortgages. When they buy a property where the mortgage payment is greater than the rent they're paying, that negatively impacts their debt-to-income ratio, at least in the short term. Over time, the principal and interest part of the mortgage payment remains fixed, and it actually helps them to have a lower overall housing cost compared to someone renting. Another way we measure risk is to look at how much debt Norm and Norma have compared to their total net worth. Net worth consists of equity in all their properties and any money they have in their accounts. When Norm and Norma buy an owner-occupant property with 5% down payment, their risk spikes. This happens very early in the scenario, in month 33 to be exact, and remains elevated for several years. But the extra equity they have in their owner-occupant property eventually helps them keep this measure of risk down as they acquire additional rental properties later. That means, in terms of this specific measure of risk, debt-to-net worth, buying an owner-occupant property is much riskier earlier on, but tends to be slightly less risky later on with subsequent purchases. Now, the early-on risk is really high, over about 865%, compared to the highest risk they'd see as a renter of about 320% when they buy their first 15% down payment property. In general, the more they put down, the lower their risk. And generally, once they get past the first few years of owning their owner-occupant property, their risk tends to be lower by having purchased an owner-occupant property. Measuring debt-to-net worth is one way of measuring risk associated with debt, but it is not the only way. In fact, I often prefer this second measure of risk when we measure how much debt they have compared to how much they have in their accounts. In other words, their liquid net worth not consisting of property equity. When we look at this measure of risk, buying an owner-occupant property spikes early again when they buy that property to live in. Although this is not as extreme in relative terms as we saw when we measured debt-to-net worth. It is extreme comparing the first owner-occupant purchase to the first rental purchase, but not compared to the subsequent additional rental property purchases. In general, as you probably expected, Buying an owner-occupant property with 5% down is slightly more risky than renting and just buying rental properties. And, in general, putting more down means you have slightly less risk as well. So putting 25% down tends to have less risk than putting 15% or 20% down. Another way to measure risk is to look at reserves. I'd like to look at reserves in two ways. First, the dollar amount they need to have for a single month of reserves. It would include all their personal expenses, including rent or personal mortgage payments with taxes and insurance on their home, plus all the expenses for each rental property, including mortgage, taxes, insurance, property management, and so on. In general, buying an owner-occupant property means they have a lower dollar amount that they need to keep in reserves. This is a combination of buying rental properties slower 
and having a fixed principal and interest payment for their owner-occupant property that does not increase with inflation over time. Later in the scenarios, this trend reverses. But once we know how much in dollars it takes to have a single month of reserves, we can measure risk related to having adequate reserves by looking at how many months of this single month of reserves they have. In other words, if they had no income from their job or rents or other investments, how many months could they continue to pay all the expenses on their personal stuff and rentals? Early on in each scenario, it turns out we tend to artificially keep this around six months by requiring that they have six months of reserves before they can buy their next property. So the number of months builds up as they save up for their next down payment. And then once they buy their next property, it drops down to about six months for all scenarios as a renter and homeowner. But after they're done acquiring properties, which scenario tends to have more reserves? It turns out that they tend to have more months of reserves as a renter than as a homeowner. This is likely caused by them buying properties earlier and having those properties paid off and generating more cash flow, which deposits more money in their accounts for reserves. Now that I've talked about reserves, I did want to discuss a few more things before we wrap up this episode. Let's talk about how much they needed to invest in down payments and how much they needed to invest in any negative cash flow. In general, by being able to purchase properties early, they're able to purchase properties at slightly lower prices, which means that when buying rentals as a renter themselves, they tend to invest less in down payments. In both cases, when buying 15% down payment properties, they also have some negative cash flow. More negative cash flow when they buy an owner-occupant property by about $11,000, a little over $81,000 as a renter themselves compared to a little over $92,000 as a homeowner buying 15% down payment rentals. They also have a very small amount of negative cash flow when buying 20% down payment rentals in both cases with about $600 more for when they buy an owner-occupant property. But overall, this amount is less than $2,000 for all rental properties over the entire 60-year period total. There is no negative cash flow if they put 25% down payments on rentals. Speaking of cash flow, although not negative cash flow anymore, just regular positive cash flow. In general, because they're able to buy rental properties sooner, they tend to have better cash flow as a renter. They also tend to have better cash flow the more they put down. So in conclusion, Norm and Norma buying an owner-occupant property results in achieving financial independence slightly later. And it seems to be slightly more risky for them in most of the measures of risk that we have. Plus, they end up with less cash flow and less net worth. So why bother? Well, maybe they prefer to own their own home and have some inflation protection against a landlord raising rents. And in those cases, it might not be the right question to ask, why they might do it, but instead it might be better to ask if they are going to do it, what is the cost to them of making that decision? Norm and Norma, like the rest of us, don't always do what's optimal. Sometimes we make decisions because the downside or possible downside is acceptable. You know, up to this point, Norm and Norma have been considering buying rental properties and putting long-term tenants in the properties. But they've heard about and are curious about how much better or worse, would it be for them if instead of putting long-term tenants in properties, they put short-term renters in them instead? Maybe they purchase properties that would make good vacation rentals and can net more than they would with a long-term tenant. That's what we'll discuss in the next episode. 
Also, be sure to check out the Advanced Real Estate Financial Planner podcast to see how having variable property appreciation rates and rent appreciation rates, variable mortgage interest rates, variable inflation rates, and variable stock market rates of return impacts Norma Norma as they buy owner-occupant properties and then rentals. I hope you've enjoyed this episode about Norma Norma buying an owner-occupant property, then buying 10 rentals. This has been James Orr with the Real Estate Financial Planner podcast. Bye-bye for now. Oh, I almost forgot. You can download the newest version of the world's greatest real estate deal analysis spreadsheet for free. Just go to realestatefinancialplanner.com forward slash spreadsheet to download it right now. It's amazing. Bye-bye for now.